0: Yo, head up, think fast, you're about to feel the blast It's the dopest podcast on the net, oh yeah All us geeks, fresh your back We round the world, we round the net So get ready and get set Cause we make it look easy, no sweat Jeff and Jordan, the host, yeah they be the best From the north to the south, to the east, to the west A couple movies, comics, TV shows, books These guys gonna get you hooked don't stop now, just take a look And don't forget to sign our Facebook Cause what they doing is board games, video games Yeah, they on it They fly like a comet Interviews, is up This podcast is pure Give voice to your inner geek, that's for sure Geek out any topic No one ain't gonna ever, ever stop it So if you wanna go and get it on Then head to Oh yeah.
1: Welcome to episode 65 of All Us Geeks. I'm Jeff King. And I'm Jordan Steinhoff. And we're here to give voice to your inner geek. (laughs) Inner geek's tired, son. (laughs) Tired. Uh, All right, then. Let's see. Generalized stuff. Uh, Of course, we are live streaming on Mixler. So if you ever want to join us over there, uh, you can listen to us live and interact on the chat. If you actually go over to the Mixler website.
2: Do we have our usual one with us tonight, or has he abandoned us?
1: I don't know. We've got a... An other listener? Yeah, we've got... We had two elsewhere. That's down to one, so apparently we pissed somebody off. (laughs) so I blame Jordan. (laughs) (laughs) You're not alone. You're not alone. Chiff, chiff, chiff. My phone is down here because I am on call. Uh, Let's see. Hey, we got a new iTunes review. Ooh. (laughs) Yeah. Do tell. Well, Courtney... Geeky gamer chick. Apparently now she's she went from Stitcher to iTunes. So since she made the jump, she left us a review. So she says these guys are the best. They have the best chemistry and subscribe today. So thank you very much, Courtney, for those awesome words. We appreciate
3: that. What was she talking about again? You, uh the she, anime she, section. Yeah, she was talking about the anime section.
1: Anime and Lego. <laughs> she was she was talking <laughs> about the graphics. <draft> <laughs> Something that has nothing to do with anybody in this room. <laughs> And if you, um, are not over on iTunes or Stitcher or don't want to leave reviews that way, we actually do have testimonials on the website as well. So you can, uh, check out our website and leave a testimonial. And we've got a few of those as well. So that is
2: awesome. Be nice to see a couple new ones though. So I don't have to see mics every time I go there.
1: <laughs> There's more than that. You just...
2: I know, but <laughs> he always ends up being first in the loop when I get there for something. <laughs>
1: Really, that's all I had for general stuff other than to make sure people know once again that Anime Don is in the,
3: in the room with us. Glad to be back, though I'm still a bit numb from this morning's dentist appointment.
1: <laughs> well, then that was the best time to come here. I yeah. Think. What,
3: what kind of idiot?
2: So if you were numb, you must have had something fun done.
3: Yeah. Now, what kind of idiot schedules dental work at the same day as a podcast? <laughs> Anime like, Don. And while I was sitting there, I'm like, or resistant to that stuff or whatever, the numbing stuff. So they had to pump me full of it. And I'm thinking, I got this podcast tonight. I really don't want a lot of it. So she's drilling the way and asking me, "Uh, are you in any pain? Are you okay? I'm thinking, no pain, no pain at all.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm the same way. Like they got to double up the shots whenever they try to freeze me. And like, I've been going to the same dentist for a decade, but it's always the same thing. It's like, you just let me know if you're not quite frozen enough. I know I'm not going to be. An <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I know you only see me like three times a year, but you should know by now. Put a note in my account or something. <laughs> Double it up because you're going to drill for two seconds and then you're going to hit something you're not supposed to. And I'm
1: going to bite your finger off. <laughs> Anime Don is my hero. I am getting close to watching some. I had to interpret. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs>
2: You, you paused in that sentence, really, at an awkward place.
1: <laughs> and interpret. well, the actual typing is "I am getting closet to eaching some," so I, I had to interpret for a minute.
3: That's what you mean. Huh? Give, give
2: me a moment to figure it all out. Well, maybe that's just the bad dubs. <laughs>
1: Don's Anime Lecture is brought to you by Danica. Thank you for sponsoring us over on Patreon. And because of you, we're going to listen to uh, what Don wants us to learn about this week. (laughs)
2: Yeah, you last didn't, You didn't sound, that wasn't a positive, because of you.
3: I, I'm loved, I, I feel it. I haven't
1: made my final decision yet. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Alright, well last time I started a four part segment, kind of explaining some of the various differences you'll see in anime that might confuse you. Well, I'm going to stretch it to five parts. As I was going over this particular section, I realized I had a bit more to say than I thought. So this is going to be two part A. This one's going to be about setting. And before, I talked about the cultural differences, kind of vague, general cultural differences. When it comes to setting, it wouldn't surprise anyone to find out that anime is almost always done in Japan. And of course, for setting, it could be past, present, or future. And when it comes to the future, I don't really have much to say. It's all futurism and sci-fantasy anyway. But for the past and the present, there are a few things I'd like to talk about. I'll save the history lesson for next time. Today, I'd like to talk about present day, specifically talking about schools where almost all animes seem to end up. First, you'll notice that they wear school uniforms in anime. That is a real thing in Japan. They almost all wear school uniforms, which, by the way, is a great thing for animators because they don't have to keep redrawing different clothes all the time. Uh, the origins of their uniforms are from European military outfits. That's why like the girl's outfit looks kind of like a sailor outfit, and it's called a sailor suit. Each school has its own unique uniform, and they actually have different sets of uniforms for summer and winter outfits. That's why in the middle of an anime, they might suddenly be wearing a totally different looking outfit.
2: Please well, just can't wear that skirt in the middle of January.
3: You know, that's... <laughs> I think they're like allowed to, but they don't. Eh, something about that. Now, here in the U.S., our school starts in the fall, um, late summer, and ends in the spring or early summer. Well, their school starts in the spring, in April, and their school year runs right up into April. They almost literally are in one grade one week and next grade the next week. There might be a week off in between. They do have about a month off for summer break, but since it's in the middle of the school year, they're assigned a huge pile of homework, which you'll see often in anime that they uh, have the last day binge of trying to get all their homework done. I suspect that is often real. Also in the U.S., our schools are divided into elementary, middle, and high schools. It depends... On uh, the region, which, uh, how big middle school is, how many grades it is, but it's usually more like four grades of elementary, one through four, middle, five through eight, and high school, nine through twelve. Well, in Japan, they have four different sets of schools with three years each. The first one's called elementary school, last one high school, and the middle ones are called middle school and middle school, which is often translated as, which, yeah, it can be a little confusing sometimes which middle school they happen to be talking about.
2: Middle and middler.
3: Mm-hmm. These days, I'm seeing the second one translated as junior high more often, which makes it easier to tell them apart. But that's not consistent, not even in the same show. As I said, there's only three grades per year, per school, which is a little bit confusing for translators as well. The first year, you can call freshman. The last one, you can call senior. But what do you call the middle one? It's not really sophomore, and it's not really junior. And I've seen it translated both ways, though now it's far more common for them to be translated simply as first year, second year, and third year which is simple enough and uh, easy to understand as long as you realize that the third year is actually the people who are on their way out. They're the last year. There is a very heavy focus on entrance exams, the whole concept of the Japanese school system. I talked last time with culture how it's very regimented. The whole idea is that you try and get into a a good middle school to to help you get into a good middle school, to help you get into a good high school, into a good college, which will land you into a good job. It's all kind of set up straight that way. And the only way to get into these schools is through their entrance exams, usually. And this isn't standardized testing. This is each school has their own set of exams that you have to take. And it's like around here in the U.S., where there's a lot more focus on kind of um, general academics and other things that you're in. The schools take a look at a broader range. There it's much more just, just playing the entrance exams. Being in a club in school is expected, sometimes even mandatory. When I say clubs, it's a little bit broader than I think of it here. Here, our football team was something run by the school. It was the football team. Well, there, all sports are clubs. They are student-run affairs, technically, just like any club. Though in the bigger schools with the top-rated sports teams, they'll take a much more direct role in the club than letting students run it. Two specific events in the school year that you see in almost every anime based in school ever. Sports Festival and the Culture Festival I'd like to touch on. Sports Festival is more or less what it sounds like send the kids outside to do all sorts of track and field events, invite all the parents, kind of a big hoopla event. They divide them into different groups, like the red team and the yellow t- red team and white team, and they compete against each other in various events. As I said, they're track and field like races, but they also have some weird stuff that you wouldn't expect, like there's some bread-eating race, a very dangerous-looking cavalry battle. A side note about sports festival and other track and field events in schools is an anime that... The girls are often wearing bloomers, which are very tight-fitting, short shorts. That used to be a thing in Japan, like 20 years ago. Hasn't been seen there in a long time, though it's still all over the place in anime. Because fan service. Now, the other day, the culture festival is kind of a unique, interesting thing. The whole concept is to take that students take a break from the normal school activities for a week or so. That each class, and often clubs, will put on some sort of Presentation for visiting family friends. It could be a performance, such as a play or musical, Uh, like a drama club will put on a play. The one of the bands will perform on a stage, or it could be a station, such as like a cafe or a food stand or haunted house. Classes usually do these, or sports clubs. The whole idea is that the students are the ones doing this. The teachers step back, and the students have to organize what their group is doing, do all the pieces for, put it all together, and put on this kind of presentation for visitors. You see it very often in anime because it's a, a, a kind of a different event that causes the students to work together where they don't normally have to do that. But that's all I wanted to talk about. Next time, we'll talk about history. Oh, yes? Well, I have a question for you <laughs> just because we're talking about schools and school-based anime.
2: I just watched uh, High School of the Dead <laughs> Again. <laughs> no, but I might. <laughs> uh, Assassination Classroom and the first season of Ultimate Otaku Teacher. Okay, you're ahead of me. And both of those are school based, but they focus on the teacher. Ah. It's, uh, oh, so you haven't seen either of them?
3: I have not. No, but, okay. But if you have a question. Well,
2: have you seen Stand and Deliver or any of those kind of where the teacher or the principal, uh, in the Western movies, uh, the teacher or the principal like Stand and Deliver or Lean on Me, they reform the bad school. Yeah, I've seen playing those. Yep. Okay. So that's what these two have been like. I mean, Assassination mm-hmm. Classroom. He's teaching the kids to assassinate him, but yep, also yep. helping get their grades up so that they will not always be the relegated to the weak class. Right. And then Ultimate Otaku Teacher, he's really not teaching them anything. He's supposedly a, a physics teacher, but everything is a life, a, a life lesson, a life lesson. So mm-hmm. it's very much mm-hmm. the same thing. The teachers are are teaching them are teaching them up, are coaching them up, not just teaching them to assassinate or to be students, but coaching them up to be the best people they can be. So I was just wondering if that is also, is that a new theme or is that a common thing in in anime?
3: It's certainly been seen a number of times. It's kind of contrary to Japanese school system a bit, which is tries to pound everybody into the same holes. Mm -hmm. But there's a, a dramatization of the teachers that really care and bring up students in that the way that you're describing. I've seen certainly a, a bunch of those. GTO is a classic example.
4: Okay. That is all. All
1: right. Shall we get to game review? We've stalled or enough. Or are we doing that too? <laughs> so now it's time for a game review. Brought to us by Doug Lewandowski. Doug. Thank you for supporting us over on Patreon, Doug, so we can talk about games such as Firefly Shiny Dice, which is what we will be reviewing this evening. It's really called Shiny Dice, huh? Shiny Dice, right there. Wow. It's all there. Have a look, son.
2: And it is, in essence, false advertising. I did not find the dice to be at all shiny.
1: (laughs) This is true. They are not shiny. A small
2: layer of gloss, possibly,
1: but shiny, no. They're wood, right? (laughs) All right, blindery dice. (laughs) So, Firefly Shiny Dice is a push-your-luck dice game. Plays fairly quick, because you only go three rounds. And... Basically, uh, the objective is to try to push your luck enough to get the most money by the end of the game. And then cargo counts towards money, right, if I yes. remember it, yeah. You're collecting money and you're collecting cargo, and cargo you get to sell. So in this game, basically, uh, there are 15 dice that when it is your turn, you are going to roll... And uh, put them on one of the two mats that are included in the game. <laughs> two mats, you say? Two mats. Wait, but how the, many th- players is it?
3: You said four player th- game, those right? To four yes.
1: players, but there are two mats in the game. I believe that is a discussion we will leave for components. <laughs> <laughs> this is upper deck, by the way. I don't think we mentioned. I don't think I mentioned that. Upper deck put this out. Upper deck should take it back. <laughs> So, in, in basically. Spoilers. <laughs> basically, in setup, you're gonna have a, a kind of a shield to keep all your money and cargo and stuff behind so other players that aren't, you know, counters <laughs> don't know what you got going on behind there. Uh, and then you're gonna use the mat to separate out the dice. And there's gonna be a pile of, of mission cards. There's gonna be some victory point cards, which is basically money. Uh, and then there's going to be supply cards that you can take as well. And uh, the victory point cards and the supply cards come in different denominations. So, you know, if you mix and match them depending on how much cargo you get or how many points you get, all that kind of stuff. Let's see. Um, so you've got ten crew dice, which are uh, seven outlaw dice and three passenger dice, so outlaw Dice are pretty much the characters that you think of on the fire on Firefly or on Serenity, and then the passenger dice well are still some of the characters that you think of. Actually, it's River and uh, Book it's is on, the and Book on there, Shepherds on there, and Simon. Shepherd. Yeah. So they, in, in the and the ten dice uh, yeah, are all the mains. Yeah. So all the mains, and then there's five foe dice, which are all the main villains you can kind of think of uh, as well. So there's Badger and Saf- Saffron and Niska, well, three of the main. Uh, But those five dice may uh, have the symbols for those villains on it. So what you're going to do on your turn is you're going to roll the 15 dice, and then you'll divide them up in their different sections on the mat, and then you kind of make a decision from there what you're going to re-roll based on what the dice can do. So some dice allow you to re-roll certain things, like some of them might allow you to re-roll other Crew members, some might allow you to roll. What's that? The box
3: says one to five
4: oh, players. One to
1: five players. Well, that makes it even better. <laughs> All right, so the game's one to five players. <laughs> Still only two mats in it. That's right, we had that conversation about the solo thing. I forgot about that conversation we had. <laughs> it's going to beat my high score. <laughs> All right, anyway, so you're going to decide if you want to re-roll any of the dice, depending on uh, if you have the icons up that allow you to re-roll certain dice, you have to decide at once all the dice you're going to re-roll. So you can't just like re-roll and say, okay, I'm going to do this again here and, and so on and so forth. You basically get one re-roll. And then you check the dice uh after the re-rolls and you basically put them back on the, on the mat. And then there's some things that kind of happen from there. If you have Four of a kind of any foe, then all other players discard 100 victory points. Uh, if you have five of a kind of any foe, then in addition, all of players discarding 100 victory points, you also end your turn immediately if if you've gotten up to five. So in the first instance, the four, that's not necessarily bad for you because everybody else is losing 100 points and you're fine. But if you rolled that fifth, everybody else is rolling or uh, losing 100 points, but you're ending your turn immediately. And then you can potentially get some team bonuses depending on if you have the right combination of outlaw dice. So the mains, Uh, basically, if you get, what is it, like uh, four of different icons. So if you've got, like, say, one river, one Inara, one whatever, one Malcolm, the whole deal, (laughs) you can get a bonus for that. And then you flip over a mission card and... Mission cards have different things on them. Some of them actually do give you things like supplies or, or money. Not all of them do. They'll have symbols on them, the symbols that you need to complete that mission. And then they also might have a keyword. And depending on that keyword, the keywords do different things as well. Like bushwhacked, if that mission is not completed, then you have to lay low, which basically means at the end of your turn, you're going to pass to another player. Uh, you're not going to keep going sabotage uh if mission is is shown with a sabotage on it then you have to reroll all of your outlaw dice so you're not sure what you have for a crew at that time i thought the remaining beastie boys showed up (laughs) shiny you get to immediately deal one point of damage to any foe at the beginning of uh, uh when we get to the next step so you get to do some auto damage so, again, you've got the mission up, and it's got different keywords, and something can happen. Some of them only happen if you actually complete the mission. Uh, so some of them will tell you you have to continue your turn. Some of them will tell you you can't continue your turn, uh, stuff like that. So then you go on to misbehave, uh, and then this is the step where you get a chance to actually complete the mission and or fight the foe. So if you complete the mission, you have to have all the icons you need to complete the mission. But at the same time, if you complete the mission and there are foes left over after you complete the mission from using those dice, you're gonna immediately end your turn. So then your and your uh points are still in jeopardy. So the victory points are still potentially in jeopardy. Yes, they stay in your pool, but you you're temporary put them pool, up behind
2: right. your shield.
1: Right. So Different dice allow you to take out different foes, uh, depending on how you use them. And there's a chart in the book. So there's things like Mal um, deals two damage to Saffron, and then Zoe deals two damage divided however you want. Jane does two damage to any one foe. Kylie deals one damage to any one foe and moves one dice from your KO pile to the cargo hold. Which your KO pile is your pile of used dice. As you use them, they get put into the KO area. Uh, if they're in the KO area and you decide to keep going, those are the dice you don't get to re-roll to continue on. Anything in your cargo hold or not used, you get to re-roll to continue on. The exception to that would be you are always going to roll the five enemy dice, the five foe dice. So various things like that. So you decide how you're going to take out the enemies and or complete the mission if you can. And then for every enemy, so you got three enemies for any every foe, as they call it, that you wipe out, you get 100 victory points in your temporary pool. And then you get to the point where you do the damage report. And then if there are still foes that aren't defeated, your turn is over. You don't get any of the victory points. So this is where it gets goofy. You might be able to complete a mission but then you have to use dice that would take out the foes, and if the foes aren't gone, you don't necessarily get to continue your—you don't get to continue your turn, or get the victory points that you've potentially built up already. Uh, unless there's something that in there, there are certain things that say this goes immediately behind your shield or whatever. But those are rare, and they're not that many points. So you have to, I guess, kind of make that decision. But a lot of times you don't get to make that decision. I guess I'm getting ahead of myself there too, but. Anyway, so that's what you do. And then if there are no foes left, you get to decide if you continue on and only use the dice in your cargo hold and ones that weren't used that are still in in Serenity if you want to continue, or you end your turn and take whatever temporary points you have and put them behind your shield and make them permanent. You do this for three rounds, and then whoever has the most victory points, a.k.a. money, at the end of three rounds wins. Cargo gets converted to money, so every two pieces of cargo that you've kept around is worth two victory points. I guess we should kind of say, like the the foes actually do some evil things too. If any Niska dice were locked, uh, KO one crew die at the active player's choice. So Niska takes out some of your crew members and puts them in your KO pile, which means you're not going to be able to use it. Now, that's if any Niska dice were locked. So that's not per. Um, that's just if there's anything left in Niska. Then Saffron is for each Saffron die locked. Move one crew die of the player's choice from Serenity into the cargo hold. So if the die is in the cargo hold, you'll get to use it again if you get to continue. But while it's in the cargo hold, you don't actually get to use it during that turn. And then Badger moves and locks one supply die uh, for each Badger die next to it. So supply dice, if you've rolled any, will Move over from the cargo hold, over by Niska. The other caveat to that is, if there are any badger dice left, I said Niska at one point, didn't I? Yes, I meant badger. Uh, if there are any badger dice left, you can't score any other remaining cargo. So you can't take uh supplies if Niska's left at all uh, on, on the or badger. God, I keep saying Niska. If badger's left at all, so you kind of got to get rid of badger to get your supplies and and take the cargo on because again at the end of the game for every two cargo you got you get an extra hundred points. So again you do that every you can do that for three uh rounds and whoever has the most victory points at the end wins. Alright. Components. I already kinda of talked a little bit about the components, but I'll just go down the list here. You get a uh, rule book, which isn't too bad. The ten crew dice we talked about the five foe dice, thirty eight mission cards, thirty two victory points. And those are cards, 30 supply cards, five-player screens, and two-player mats. <laughs> All right, so I guess we get to start with one of our first issues with the game. <laughs> and we kind of talked about this when we were playing it, too. I would be fine, and we, and I think we were in consensus with this, we would be fine if you just did one mat or one lar- little bit larger mat or something, or even, even this mat would have been fine and just said uh, you passed it around. And this is kind of nitpicky, but you, you kind of irritate me when you, you give two mats for a five, up to a five player game. It's true. It makes no sense. <laughs> one or five
2: <laughs> or, or one and up to max number of players.
3: It seems like a bonus to have two, but yeah, you're right. It's, it's just,
2: it's just a weird, like... First step of the game is to actually roll off to see who gets the mats.
1: <laughs> it, yeah, it's like somewhere in the project management timeline of this game, somebody just... Aw, oh, crap. I, uh, I Guys, I forgot to budget for the other mats. Um, <laughs> look, we can do two, all right?
3: <laughs> we We can do two at max.
2: China's not giving us a break <laughs> on the neoprene this time, so... <laughs> No, it's that's what we can do.
3: (laughs) So on the plus side,
2: we can shrink the box size.
3: Yeah.
1: Again, it sounds a little weird, but it did kind of irritate us. It's one of those things like if if you gave me one mat, I wouldn't have been irritated. Okay, I understand. We're no, we don't all get our own dice. We don't all get it, so we pass around the mat or whatever. Or if we had a little bit larger mat, take those two mats, combine them into one mat. (laughs) And make it kind of roll out a little bit on the table, and then just use it. I'd have
3: been fine. But the two mat thing actually kind of irritated us. Uh, uh, if they wanted to keep costs down, they could have just made simple cardboard ones. Yes. And, just, and five of them, they would have been just fine for the game.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and, and I mean, technically, you don't need a freaking mat. I mean, technically, they, you if, don't. If but they really if you're wanted to, going to, to
2: include it. Right. No, I, I'm there.
1: <laughs> Included for everybody. I'm
2: sorry, upper deck. Did you bring enough mats for everybody in the class? (laughs) And then the
1: dice. Oh, these are plastic. They're plastic, but they're huge. They're huge. They are chunky. So you're, you're always running, you're always rolling 15 dice. And that's fine, but these dice are a little too big to kind of always be rolling. I mean, I've got big hands and this, this is just braggart. (laughs) This is a little too big for me. So. I can't imagine if Me- if Megan was interested in playing this. These this is just too much to kind of have to have her roll all at once uh, with this size. Well, it's nice to have bigger because it's easier to see though. Well, symbols.
2: the symbols There's are that. very nice. I mean, the mm-hmm. dice themselves are very nice. They're well filled in, unlike some companies, mm-hmm. and the colors are good. The symbols are easily recognized. They're just stupid big. Yeah. this is a dice cup
1: game with no dice, with no cup, no I should cup say. <laughs> We
2: <laughs> send you a cup with no dice. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I mean
1: they're they're I mean they're good solid dice. So I mean I'm I'm not going to take that away from them at all. It's a plastic. They're they're
2: they're a heavy plastic die. Well, I'm sorry. The elephant ivory is on the endangered list now, Jeff. You you can't get your ivory.
1: Dust. Blame Chris. <laughs> I'm watching Chris ask questions while I'm explaining stuff. <laughs> so I mean they're they're good. They're solid dice. They're just too damn big to have to roll all 15 at once, especially, I mean, especially since this is kind of supposed to be almost like a casual, the kids game kind of thing. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I know that's, that's like too much for Megan to try to have to, to roll and stuff like that. Other than that, though, I mean, the components are solid. I mean, the cards are are good card stock. The, the mats are a thin neoprene, which is more than is needed. The dice are solid and and decent and and heavy. They've got some heft to them. Yeah, everything is good. Mm-hmm.
2: You know. Yep. The screens
1: are, are they're, good they're, cardboard.
2: Other than the size of the dice and mm-hmm. thus the inability to have an easy roll, everything is
1: good. So yeah, I mean it's <laughs> the couple things that we're kind of nitpicky about, but I don't know, it just it mattered to us at the time. Mm-hmm. Still matters to me. <laughs> it's fifteen dice. It's not that big, you know.
2: Right. I I shouldn't have to. I, I mean, at one point, I was seriously considering rolling everything except my heroes, and then our outlaws, and then rolling the outlaws too again, just to make because I mean, you get them all packed in your hand. They're not really rolling. They're you're not really randomizing in your hand that well because it's mm-hmm. just so tightly packed until you go, we. <laughs> there was a visual there, people. Yeah. They're pretty rounded off dice, so they scatter a lot. They tended to. That's why I started kind of rolling on, on the neoprene just to absorb some of the shot. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. So mechanics. You want to go? <laughs> the mechanics,
2: they don't really make sense to me. I mean, they do on the whole, but there's one thing that kind of ruins for me this game.
4: Mm-hmm. Spoilers. <laughs>
2: You set your dice, you roll all your dice, you set them. These are my heroes, these are my villains, this is my crew and my cargo. My outlaws, my villains, my passengers, my cargo. And then you look at your dice and say, I don't know what the mission is yet, Mm -hmm. but I have to deal with my villains. So then you deal with your villains and you spend your dice appropriately. And then you flip up the mission, which you may or may not now be able to complete because you've already spent all your dice. You don't get to spend your dice.
1: Well, you don't you don't deal with the foes yet because you do that you, you kind of make well, you, but you, but the re roll yes. the re-roll thing. Right.
2: Right. You're you're planning. You're you're doing your re rolls and you're planning ahead on how to So you gotta do your goals. re-roll before you ever yes. see your mission. So your re rolls may re roll you out of the ability to complete your mission. Mm-hmm. And even if it does not The mission still might not be completable because if you're cargo heavy, you want to be able to claim all that cargo and you have to then spend all your dice to clean out your foes. They ask you to balance an unknown against definitely planning to clean out your foes. And the unknown is a mission that might not even be of value. Quite a few of the missions we saw were nothing. Some of them had stuff on them. But even the nothing missions, a few of them had uh, force stops or force continuations on them. So half the time, I was not able to complete my mission anyways, and it was good because then I didn't have to deal with uh, a force event. Other than having the mission in the wrong spot, everything actually flows quite well. If you remove the mission deck completely, it's a much better game. Which...
1: Like I, I told you before we started recording, the designer actually designed this without the mission deck. Mm-hmm. And that was added later by upper deck. So. Or if you move the move mission. Move where deck. it happens, maybe that would be a little bit better. For instance, you know how saffron die? For each one you have, you have to move a crew out of Serenity into your cargo hole, which means it's not usable for you. So you might. In your reroll, if you have the ability to do the reroll, you might try to reroll out of Saffron mm-hmm. so that she's not affecting you a little bit later. So let's say you do that and you're, you're successful at that. You're like, Oh, awesome. I've, I've done with Saffron or I only got one left that I can maybe deal with or something like that. And then you flip the mission. The mission calls for two Saffron dice. So now you, you had no idea that that was coming and you've rolled yourself out of it thinking, of the, the negative that you knew about. So you, you kind of get this frustration level. The other thing I would say, too, is the way it sits right now, the way the game plays, we didn't really... This was a super quick game for us because it didn't ever really feel like, unless you were forced to, or towards the end of the game, we just decided to do it, mm-hmm. there wasn't a whole lot of reason to continue on after no. your first roll. It- you just didn't have enough dice left to deal with five faux dice. That's it.
2: Uh, you're left with one, two, three, four car- uh, dice in your cargo hold that you get to reroll if you choose to continue, you know, however many you get, you know, from zero to if you get really lucky and you get like super saffron, you know, maybe your whole crew, you know, <laughs> but you're always going to reroll those five faux dice. So you're always going to be on a second round down crew, but still max faux. There's no motivation there for me. To go again when second mission still probably not going to be able to complete. complete, Going to lose my money if I don't complete a mission or knock out the foes, and the foes are always going to be uh, up on you as in a second or third mission. So they say it's a press your luck game. I would never. Other than like we both – like you said, we both did it on the last round just because it was the last round. There's no reason there for me to want to press my luck. Mm -hmm. It's not like, ooh, it's a 60-40. It was blatantly weighted every time to be nigh on impossible to clear your mission and or your foes.
1: Right, because the thing is, in order to continue on, you have to clear your foes. Yeah. So you got to spend as many dice as you can to clear your foes, and then all of a sudden you're like – well, crap, I've only got like two dice, three dice left against these five dice. I'm not going to be able to clear my foes again. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to lose the money I've already put aside. Nope, my turn's done. But, yep, the mission doesn't tell me I have to continue on. So I'm taking my money and going home. <laughs> to kind of keep on a little bit with what Jordan said, too, though. In general, everything makes sense except for the mission deck taken individually each step makes sense (laughs) there is a bit of the whole luckily and luckily on your player shields you get a nice summary and it shows you what the different icons are because there is a lot of going back and forth to okay what does this icon do again Uh, what does it afford me and some of them have multiple ways you can use them so there is a lot of referring back to the icons some in the in the book some on the shield again you, you don't necessarily want to pick up your shield and reveal what you got behind it it's in the book as well so there is a little bit of that there's a little bit of that well wait a minute what does that do there it, it kind of gives you this pause in the middle of the game too where it's just like i'm playing and i'm doing this oh wait a minute what does that do and now i'm not really in the I don't know the the thematics, which we'll get to later, but the mechanics take me can take you out of the uh, the thematics a little bit. But once you kind of get used to it, it's not it's not a horrible game in general. Other than the mission deck really messes it up, and the the mission deck messes it up, and it ends up kind of becoming it. It's really not a push your luck game.
2: Right, it's a dice based mission game.
1: Yeah, so. You may, I mean, if you take out the mission deck and maybe extend it, instead of saying three rounds, do like six rounds or something like that, That's it, this would be an okay game uh for a quick filler. All right, rules. Overall, the rules are pretty decent. There's a couple of things like a, just sitting there trying to find Niska and all those guys real quick. Luckily, the re- the reference sheet on the back of your shield has it real quick. But in general, I think while we were playing, any questions we had for the most part were covered. Except for, which we should have mentioned in Mechanics as well, there is no tiebreaker in this game. <laughs> which, of course, as would happen... Immediately came into effect. <laughs> Jordan and I are going to tie so that we look for what the tiebreaker is. <laughs> and there is no tiebreaker. So that sucked. <laughs> Other than that, the rule book is solid and did a pretty good job, and we were up and running pretty quickly which I guess goes into, well, did you have anything you want to say about the rulebook? I agree. Okay. So teachability. Again, rulebook was pretty decent. We were up and running between the rulebook and the references on the back of the shields. No issues teaching the game and playing the game. Just frustration with the missions as the game went on. Which, again, teaching to a new person, that's not good. (laughs) If you know the frustration's coming and you're just watching it build up, It's not a good thing. When a core element of your game is completely
2: (laughs) counterintuitive to anything you've experienced in life. (laughs) All
1: right. So replayability. Go for it. I'm going to have a two-part answer.
2: For me personally, zero. I never want to play this game again. In general, if you remove the mission deck or reposition it, if you house rule it, any game that you have to say you have to house rule is going to be (laughs) low on my replayability. (laughs) Uh, which is sad because two Firefly games now have that caveat from me. The core game too, the big game.
1: Really? What don't you like about the big game? Movement.
2: It just slows the game down. Having to draw all those cards every time you move. Just do one, one move, one draw. That's, (laughs) that's how I've house ruled it. Anyway, and that's, that doesn't really impact anything because you still draw into your kicking the balls every (laughs) now and then. But if you house rule this into something a little bit more palatable and you're a hardcore Firefly fan or a hardcore die game fan or a hardcore push your luck fan. Cause if you remove the, the mission, then it can become a bit of a push your luck game. Not much, not much, but no, it's disagree. <laughs> I didn't say a whole lot. You, you have the option. I, I wouldn't recommend it, but you have the option. <laughs> but even then, even if you do all that, uh, I still think the replayability is low. I think unless your bar for enjoyment of a game either involves a lot of frustration or is just so generally low that even a filler doesn't really matter to you in terms of playability. Sorry, this, that's what this game is. I, I never want to see it on the table
1: again. Unfortunately, I agree. (laughs) We are firefly fans in this house. Uh, I was hoping this was going to be something that probably would be good for Megan and I to play. I just don't see it. And The replay, I, yeah, I, after we got done playing it and we, we played it enough to know that we didn't want to play it anymore. (laughs) And that's, that's kind of sad to me, unfortunately. So I don't, yeah, I don't see any viable way to get this back out to the, to the table. Like you said, unless you do the house rule and then maybe I'll tolerate it for a game or two, but it's not going to be something that I ever recommend. (laughs) And like I said, the other, the other house roll I would do is just goes like six rounds. Because you're not going to yeah, push your luck. Yeah, you're pressing your luck, really. So. Yeah, just go like six rounds or something like that, just to get a little more gameplay out of it. Because three, three goes quick when you're not really pushing your luck. <laughs> yeah. You, you know I mean, yeah. you're just like, okay, I rolled, this happened, okay, let me know when it's my next turn. Oh, there. Three turns later, there we go. Yeah. Alright, thanks. And you know what? What the hell? Just, just for this one turn. Let me, oh no, that's why you don't do that the other two turns. That's right. That's, <laughs> that's, never mind. All right. So theme, what'd you think of the, the theme? Uh, it's actually quite thematic for what
2: it is. I mean, it's a dice game. So you're not going to get, you know, Christina Hendricks in the room with you. That's never going to happen, <laughs> but all the dice are really good. All the, the symbology for the dice is very cool. You got Jane's hat. You got Zoe's rifle. You got Mal's gun. You got. Christina Hendricks's lips, you know, you got Badger's hat. It's it's all very there. The the player shield has the crew on it, the dice, it's got that kind of uh through the sun effect that they always used in the credits. Says Firefly. It's got the Chinese writing on there on a paper on a rice paper lamp. It's it it does say this is a Firefly game. Thematically this does say it's a Firefly game. And when you're playing it, you know, like for instance, uh, Waterdeep. First time I played, I made the effort of saying I'm turning in two rogues, Lords of Waterdeep. Oh, two rogues and a and a cleric <laughs> to, to complete this quest. Yes, but I. Remember, yeah. By the time you got through your, I'm handing in my three purples and my one orange and 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 we're good, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. But here with these dice, even even through the rising frustration levels, I still wanted to say, and I'm using Mal to do this, and I and I'm using. You know, Kaylee to do this. So, uh, even just, it, even through the frustration, getting to say the characters names, still wanting to say the characters names keeps us thematically, you know, a success for me.
1: Yeah. And I think they actually did a good job of matching abilities to the characters, mm-hmm. uh, on Outlaw's Info side. So I, I agree with that. It, the thematics were there. They made a lot of sense. Like I said, there's just a little bit of taking you out of it for me when you're first kind of learning it because of you always have to kind of refer back to what the icons are actually doing, especially those that you know have multiple uses. And so you, you're kind of stepping away from the game to kind of look at a reference sheet. Yeah. But
2: like I said, that's just a repetition. Right. If you're, if you're going to repeat. Yeah. So
1: you'll, you'll get there. So after that, I think they did a really good job. Some people might say that the mission side of things is somewhat thematic, too, because you get kicked in the balls. <laughs> and you never know what the mission is actually going to do for you or what it's going to entail. That piece of the theme I could have done without because that took it from that that took it out of being a game to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not playing a game. The game's playing me at that point. So... uh yeah, we talked about that enough. Overall, the theme is very very well represented and solid in this game. So um, any guesses on what our fun factor slash
2: overall is going to be? Well, Don, since you're in the room, you've had a chance to listen to us, and you've looked at everything based on what you've heard and what you've seen. What are your thoughts on this game so far?
3: I don't ever want to play it. All right, then. <laughs> Our job here, is to-
1: <laughs> <laughs> we are the game killers. <laughs> oh, the-
2: Upper deck, you're not getting anybody else's twenty five
1: bucks or whatever this was. Yeah, that's not true. There are going to be plenty of people that buy it. Sadly, yes. <laughs>
2: uh, overall, low, low, low. This is not villains low, but it's down there. It's <laughs> uh, it's not something I want to play again, and it's not something I'm going to recommend.
1: Yeah, I I completely agree. I actually, um, you might remember Don. I was I was. Like, oh man, I should have brought Firefly to your gaming event so that you could <laughs> talk about it with us. Kinda glad I didn't now. Cause, uh, that would have been, even that little bit of time would have been wasted time. We could have played something else. <laughs> I, I hate to say it, um uh, especially since I am friends with the designer. But, and, and, it just, it, I, it, I can't see it ever getting played. I, I can't pull it out again, like I said, unless, unless at, most the house ruling happens and then I'll tolerate it but it's definitely a hard pass for me alright so there you go that is what we thought of Firefly Shiny Dice (music) Don's Anime Recommendation Sponsored by Gene P. Thank you very much, Gene, for supporting us over on Patreon and Google Plus and Google Plus. Our one loyal Google Pluser. Well, (laughs) actually, Mike has been pretty active on Google Plus now too.
3: I like to try to give recommendations of lots of different types of shows, different genres. So I wanted to do one for the sports genre, which is one of the biggest, most exciting genres in anime. I say that it is in Japan but it's not that popular outside of Japan. Throughout the years, I've watched numerous distribution companies try to release sports-related shows to the U.S. market. Almost always ends up in failure, which is a real shame because there's some really, really great shows. So due to availability, I can't really pick some of my favorites, but instead I'll go with one that I liked quite a bit. So, sports genre series are interesting. I've talked once in the past about how In anime in general, the storytelling is much more character-focused than story-focused. Which means that it doesn't really matter what type of show it is, the storyline is still more or less the same. If it's a baseball team trying to win the championship, or if it's people piloting giant robots against aliens, the character arcs are still the same. So the core of the story is still the same, regardless of the setting. So there's a natural advantage to sports shows, in that they can lose. Now, if they lose in the giant robot show, well, aliens take over the Earth. It's literally the end of the world. If they lose the big game, it may feel like the end of the world, but it really isn't. In fact, it's a major point of character growth, learning how to lose. And it's almost a cliche in the sports world that they do lose the big game. Sports shows are often done for popular shows like baseball and basketball, but they can be done for lesser known shows, uh, uh, sorry, sports, even things that aren't normally considered sports. One such one that I'm going to talk about today is Chihayafuru, one that I've mentioned on the show before as well as uh, Jordan. The sport in it is a card game called Karuta, uh, competitive Karuta, actually. There's a few different forms of Karuta, but the competitive one is based on a classic Japanese anthology of 100 poems called Waka. They're kind of like haikus but longer. The original game...
2: Clear your mind, perv. <laughs>
3: <laughs> what? Perv? <laughs> It was Muppets. Waka, waka, waka. I hadn't thought of that. You're in the perv. (laughs) And now I can't get rid of it. (laughs) The Karata game was originally done as a sort of learning game, as it was teaching Japanese people the hundred poems from this classic anthology. The idea is the latter half, or really more than half of each poem, is written on a playing card, and all the cards are placed face-up between the players, and then a designated reader reads the first part of each poem, randomly, one at a time. The goal is to be the first one to grab the card associated with the poem being read. It's still played a lot in Japan, often with families over New Year's. So like anything that can be taken to a competitive extreme, this one has been. With some rather rigid rules and some very dedicated players. And let me tell you, they're pretty nuts to watch. They memorize the location of each and every card. They listen carefully for the very first syllable of the poem that will uniquely identify a card and then slap at it as fast as they possibly can. So it's a combination of memorization and dexterity. I'm out. I'm <laughs> out. <laughs> I hate this game. It's crazy to watch. The reader starts reading, and they get to the third syllable, and there's a huge slap, slap, slap around the room as people go after the cards. Furu Manga was an award-winning series that started in late 2007. In 2011, they made a 25-episode anime series based on it, and the second series came out in 2013. The manga's about a young girl named Chihaya Arase. Sorry, Ayase. A young girl just entering high school. She's a pretty young girl, but uh, she's known as a wasted beauty by her classmates because the only thing on her brain is Karata. She's actually kind of nuts about it and extremely determined to start up a Karata club at their school so she can uh, work with teammates and play in tournaments. It goes through the... Many of the usual tropes of sports shows where she has to find players, overcome challenges such as finding a advisor for their club. And that's kind of part of the reason I picked this as a recommendation is that even though it's not like a standard sport like baseball, it still goes through many of the same tropes and does many of the things that you usually see in a sports show, but it does it really well in an engaging, fun sort of way. What is it about the show that I decided to recommend this one? Well... For one thing, it's actually not all that long. Sports shows tend to be pretty long, as seventy-plus episodes. Having one that's only fifty. oh it should be longer. That I, I agree. Okay, I'll, <laughs> I'll. say the manga is ongoing, so I'm. I and many others are really hoping for them to go another season. I would like season. A
2: third season.
3: I, I would. It would be great to hear more because the story is not complete at this point. Uh, Number two... And next week, we're going to do
2: nothing! Nothing ever again!
3: <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll hope for more. <laughs> uh, another reason. Despite Karata actually being kind of a boring game to watch, they do manage to make it pretty intense in the show. Had me on the edge of my seat a number of times. And it, that kind of extends to the whole show, like I was saying, with the various tropes. They do it in a way that is engaging and fun, even if it's stuff that I've seen numerous times before. One of the biggest reasons is the passion that the characters have. Now, passion is certainly very popular in sports shows, very common theme. But in this one in particular, the passion that the characters held for the game was very intensive, especially in the second season. And when you like the characters and you're watching them and they have such a deep passion for what they're doing, it's very easy to draw in you as the viewer to enjoy what they're doing as well. But the biggest reason I'd like to give for recommending the show is the characters themselves. Now, there's a handful of characters on the team and they each get their individual arcs. And especially in the second season tournament, they're really handled well. But it's the character that really matters is Chihaya. She is the heart and soul of the show. She's cheerful, energetic, goofy in a single-minded sort of way, and very, very determined. She drags the whole show along at her own pace. She's easy to cheer for, laugh at, and feel for. But it's not just the obvious, cheerful, exciting character that is so interesting. The very best characters are the ones that, when you stop and think about it some more, you realize and understand more about the character. And she's that type of character And that the show doesn't show you everything about the character up front. But if you think about it and, and pick up on some of the quieter things that go on, you realize there's a lot more to her character. For example, her relationship with her older sister. Her older sister is a accomplished model. Shihaya sees herself as her sister's number one fan. She loves her older sister, adores her, but she's grown up her entire life in the shadow of a great person. And if you you see in the beginning how Chihaya finds out about Karuta and really latches onto the fact that she has a chance to become the best there is at it, and how important that is to her, you start to see how growing up behind someone else that she's always second place to, how that helps drive her to what she's doing with Karuta. And details like that about the character I really loved. As for where you find the show, you can only find it on crunchyroll.com right now. I would love for it to get picked up by home video, by anybody, but... I just don't see it as likely. Jordan, anything to add?
2: I'm going to agree with you that I think this is far too obscure that anybody's going to put the effort into DVDing it. Mm-hmm. But I think it's totally worth the watch because it's like you talked about her relationship with her sister, even though the older sister is not really there. It, it still overshadows her. But my favorite aspect of the show was how she grew both as a player and a person, as she learned the game from watching other people on her team. You know, there was uh, Tai Chi, who was just, you know, the grinder. Mm -hmm. He he was the B team, but he wanted to get to the A team, and he knew it was just going to be work, and he worked, and he worked, and he worked. And she she learned perseverance from him, because, she, you know, she started off just speed. And then Desk, Uh well anyways the the geek kid in in the geek club yep yep the the younger guy who threw his desk uh I've forgotten all their names now but you know he played the player he he was the stat keeper and he looked at people's tendencies and trends and Mm -hmm. so he played the player he was not a strong he was not the team's strongest player but he 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 had success because he could play the player and she learned how to so she learned different different aspects of her game and of the people she played with. Uh, and that, as much as it was a sports show, it was also kind of, to my mind, a good character show because, you know, in some sports shows, it's like, he's the troubled pitcher or he's the troubled quarterback and mm-hmm, all mm-hmm. he has to do is over, his whole story is just going to be to overcome this thing. But she had so many, she was given so many different aspects, both as teammates and, uh, and opponents, uh, that there was some growth both for her team and for herself. And I thought it was, a really
3: well rounded show it's surprising how much team stuff there was in the show, despite it being a very one on one game, mm-hmm. but still like especially the, the second team regionals
2: at the start of the second season, I think that was my favorite art.
3: oh, it's fantastic yeah. how they bonded as a team and came together it was it was fantastic to watch. I enjoyed all the characters in general, but jihai is just the one that home run for me mm-hmm. everything about her character was interesting and deep. Even though it doesn't seem like it at first.
2: Yeah. Competitive poetry reading, it doesn't necessarily sound like an (laughs) A-class recommendation, but it's actually a very cool show.
3: Open for more. (laughs) I want more.
1: What we're watching. Sponsored by Ryan C. Thank you for supporting us over. Stop doing that. (laughs) Thank you for supporting us over (laughs) at Patreon.
2: Never. (laughs) As long as the randomizer pulls his name up, I will say it.
1: <laughs> and we lost the Patreon support.
2: <laughs> Rizzoli and Isles, Last Ship, and Mr. Robot uh, have all wrapped up for the seasons. They were all good in all different ways. Mr. Robot, I really liked. It was... Sometimes disturbingly accurate on some of the things that they were discussing. And in other times, I was quite blown away at one of the character twists. Um Have either of you watched it?
1: Nope. No, I want to.
4: Okay.
2: Well, there's a twist that even twisted me. I'm just going to say that. I mean, it's clear that the main is crazy, but I just wasn't expecting them to do what they did. I mean, it was not deep, but it was just a direction. I expected them to go left and they went right. Saw the movie Sinister 2. It was not sinister. It was <laughs> boring. Uh, and then as I mentioned, I just finished the first season of Ultimate Otaku Teacher and I'm now going through Psycho Pass, which I think it, it took up to like the first seven EPs. I was like, I mean, this is interesting, but I, I don't know where the hype is coming from. But then right at the end of EP seven, the arc changes a little bit and one of the villains is revealed. Like, Oh, that's where some of the hype is at.
3: It, it was that died. the surprise death? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> oh, there is a deeper level of bad guy here. Okay. <laughs> uh So now I do want to get through the rest of that. That had been on the bubble and literally on the bubble. At the episode seven. I was like, if there's nothing here, I'm not going to watch it anymore. Oh, there's something here. <laughs>
1: uh, And that's really all I've been doing on the watching side. Okay. Last comic standing, uh, which is almost done. I think there's one more episode of that left. Defiance, uh, The End of Defiance seemed like a series finale, didn't it? I don't know. Oh, you I, haven't watched we're it? still four or five episodes. Okay. Back. Well, they, they don't know if they've been renewed yet, and they sure decided to give us, it's a, it's a nice wrap up if they aren't renewed. If they are renewed, what the hell are they gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> It'd be interesting to see, but I definitely want to see more defiance. That was, that was a great and that's show. That's how
2: we ended up with the last bad
1: crappy season of Andromeda too. <laughs> <laughs> falling skies. I, we're all done with except for the series finale because we uh, cut the cable cord right before it went. And the, the replacement we have to watch that still hasn't put it out yet because I guess they've been re-showing it or something. So we have yet to see the series finale. I real quickly put back on Fear the Walking Dead because I also wanted to point out that last episode, Jordan and I did not talk about it other than he talked about it in the news, and I had it on my list. So that might tell you something. <laughs> I haven't even watched the second app yet. Uh We watched <laughs> the second app and... I still, my, my, one of my big issues is still wrong city for this. I don't mind a slow burn, wrong place to do it. It's, it's ridiculous to me that you're going to kind of do this slow burn, uh, very few zombies in LA. (laughs) You know, it's like, I I think when you and I talked about it before we recorded last time, it was after that first run out when he he left the church and ran out into a hugely populated area, it's like, okay, the rest of this makes no sense to me. Then because there's a zombie right behind him, or two <laughs> or three, and there's a hugely populated area right around the church. No spread. <laughs> We're not hearing more for days and days from there. So again, I mean, this almost should have been Atlanta, don't you think? This should have been the beginning of Atlanta and then LA. I mean, not to take away from the show we've got, but I mean, not even Atlanta. It's outside. I mean, in Georgia, outside of Atlanta, it should still, it should be like a small, almost a small community thing for a slow burn like this with, with very little to kind of show for it or to build up for it, especially when you're only doing like six episodes. And the, I don't know, the, the family, there's a couple of them that are okay. For the most part, I don't care about the family that they're trying to force down our throat right now. So whatever. There wasn't one this weekend, so we were okay with that. But we'll watch it. It's you know six episodes again, and gets us up to Walking Dead. So,
2: I'm not fearing them. Not
1: not really. Speaking of meh, (laughs) I did finish Bob's Burgers. (laughs) I'm still like, eh. it had moments. Uh, but it's still no archer by any means.
2: Well, nothing is. That's right.
1: We started power watching Blacklist. We just started season two and that is awesome. We've been loving that.
2: Oh, is season two available on Netflix now or something? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll have
1: to go get that. Yep. Cause we just started like, I think at lunch. He's deliciously <laughs> smarmy. <laughs> He's such an awesome character there, isn't he? Just. You just never know what's going to come out of his mouth, and it all and it all works.
2: All you need to know is you have to trust me. Okay, and now I'm going to shoot you. But it's part of the plan, and it will work, and you will thank me later. Also, I'd just like to thank you for shooting me. That really did work out well.
1: <laughs> um, I watched the animated Marvel mo- uh, movie Avengers Black Widow and Punisher. Eh. It would have been a lot better if they won... Just drop the Avengers part because it was like the last ten fifteen minutes they brought all the Avengers in, <laughs> and the, and two, hey, we're using Black Widow, so we better do a love story behind everything that's going on. That was dumb.
2: You can't have a female character. I know that main that motivation was, and that, isn't romance, right? Yeah. And yeah.
1: that it was just irritating as hell. I like the Punisher stuff in it though. The oh, you watched it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of the course, the Punisher I did. stuff was awesome, and they, I mean. They went legit with it. It's like the first time you see the Punisher, he's slitting throats. You know, so My
3: favorite is he's got the guy knocked down and already beat. Mm-hmm. Puts a bolt in his head. Yeah. It's like, that's the Punisher. There yeah. he is.
1: Yeah, yeah. His part was really good. But, the yeah, the whole love story thing and then having to bring in the Avengers at the end just kind of felt wrong to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're in the title. Let's <laughs> just drop them out of the title. <laughs> Well, especially since at one part, they made a big deal about not bringing the Avengers, yeah, yeah, <laughs> because there was this big mind control thing, and they didn't want to risk the other Avengers. That's why they went with Black Widow, <laughs> which, <laughs> but, 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 it's still, so we're they, going still to, they still we're going didn't to, want to bring in Hawkeye though,
4: because
2: we're going to relegate the female character to to second fiddle and give her a romance only backstory. Yep. Oh, right. yep, yep, um, but. They're giving us an Indian in August or September, I mean October for their ongoing diversity in the comics at least.
1: Oh, um, Amadeus Cho was featured pretty prominently uh well not he was there, he was there, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, he had some decent parts, all right, so power watched the season six, I believe it was season six of the league. <laughs> love that show. They finally put it on Netflix, so I watched it right away. <laughs> I I know, so I I kept going back and and looking. Is it there? He is there? And then never. And all of a sudden, I noticed that I had a little like red notification dot on my tablet. It's like, what is that? Oh, new new episodes of the League. Oh, so there. (laughs) I watched Sword Art Online. I liked the first half of it. Second half of it, I was okay with, but didn't like it as much. And then I hated the ending for season one. I I. I don't, I don't know. I'd probably check out season two, but it seems, I don't know. I have, I have an issue. Like, they all got trapped in this game, and they had to be in this game, and they had to fight their way out of this game. And then, alright, I can kind of understand going back in for this chick that he liked for the second part of this, this other game. But then to end the season with, I'm going to go back into that first game that I was almost going to die in. To finish it all from zero to, to the top. That's like, no. <laughs> that was just dumb to me. It's just persistence. I had just forgotten that. Wow. Dumb. It's not persistence. It's dumb. <laughs> that's how the, that's how the season ends. I'm going to go back to the original death trap. <laughs> uh, I watched this one. It's like a BBC style show. I don't know if it was actually BBC. It probably was, but, um, like so a three episode like you know longer episode series or mini series called Residue. Have you seen that at all? No, nope. it has Asha and Theon
2: ah, yes, <laughs> that got heavily pushed on me on Netflix, and I didn't watch it. yeah,
1: I watched it. It was okay, except for it was only three episodes, so it ends with is it Theon or is it the other dude, Theon,
2: yeah. Cause what's his name also has something.
1: Oh, no, no, no. It's Reek. You're right. Yeah. It's Reek. My bad. Or Simon, if you like misfits. Yes. <laughs> That's right. It's Reek. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of funny cause they're the two kind of main characters in that, show, and they're like a couple. <laughs> so, I, it was, it was a slow burn. It was interesting, but it ended right when you wanted to They were, just getting ready to kind of tell you what's going on kind of thing. So it's like, if it doesn't get another little mini series, like, well, that was a waste of my time in those three episodes. <laughs> I leave
3: you wanting more. Whole <laughs> burn has got to heat up at some point.
1: Right. And it is like right as credits, <laughs> but it's okay. And we power watched uh, the Fargo series, mm. the first season of that. We actually enjoyed that one, which is saying something because I never liked the movie. Like, I avoided this for the longest time because of my hatred of the movie. And this was actually a pretty decent show. I had a, we, we enjoyed it. You watch Sinister 2. We watch Sinister 1. <laughs> Who wins? <ends>? One. <laughs> one. <laughs> I haven't seen two yet, but uh, Sinister, the first Sinister wasn't too bad. It wasn't, I don't know. It, it was decent. It was okay. This was just,
2: you can't even say evolution. It was It just expanded the same thing. And there was no attempt to make it different, or well, yeah, because it it gave you more of the history of the boogeyman and blah blah blah. But it's just a to <laughs> z, every step in the middle, you, they hit every point that they needed to in a horror movie, and there was not a single thing that wasn't predictable about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, they like say. I mean, we watched the first one, and it was pretty decent. Z- Uh, Megan and I watched it because it was this weekend and it was still light out. And apparently. So she could watch it. (laughs) That's kind of the clause now because we were like trying to figure out what we wanted to do. She's like, well, it's still light out. So if you want to watch a horror movie, now's the time. So she picked Sinister. We watched it. Yeah, it was a decent premise and an okay movie. But yeah, I haven't seen two yet. So don't know where they went with it. Brick Mansions. We watched Brick Mansions too. Yeah. I still prefer the original. It's better in French. Yeah. Megan really liked it, but Megan hasn't seen the original yet. So I kind of want to <laughs> pull out the original. Go, no, this is what it should have been. <laughs> On your tries. Here you go. <laughs> and, uh, that's my watching. So
3: what do you got? Well, first I watched a bunch of older stuff recently, some 80s material. Uh, the first Samurai Troopers it was once edited, chopped up and released here as Ronin Warriors. Uh, this was the original Japanese version. Evil demon rises in the modern day. Weapons are useless against him. Only the people with the legendary armor can defeat him. Pretty classic uh, action show for the time period. I only recommend it to those with for nostalgia reasons. Arashiman. Sentai Filmworks. Usually putting things out on home video is trying something different. Taking an older show and just putting it online on Hulu. This is a small-time crook from the 80s who time slips into the year 2050. And apparently time slipping gives you psychic powers. Except he doesn't really manifest any. But a lot of people are after him for those psychic powers. He ends up becoming a cop in a world with flying cars and beam weapons and not a cell phone in sight. You gotta love old futurism.
2: He's the reverse Van Damme.
3: <laughs> uh, it was pretty fun for an 80s show. I enjoyed the first 26 episodes and I'm wondering why Sentai hasn't put up the rest yet. Uh, Lupin the third, the third series. Hulu got, uh, um, as much of the second series of Lupin as has been released here and the first 30 episodes of the third series and now they finally got the last 20 so I'm watching through those. This one's kind of a weird one for the Lupin franchise. It was a th- third and last Lupin TV series and in the Lupin world, you know, Lupin's classic character design has either a red jacket or a green jacket to the point that they even did a special red versus green of Lupin versus Lupin. <laughs> well, in this one he wears a pink jacket for some reason which has been like forgotten by time. Still, it's Lupin stuff so I'm enjoying it. On Crunchyroll I watched a series called Tasugure Bakasumono which is a strange low budget CGI animation using some freeware. I've seen some material by these guys before GDGD Fairies and some other things and actually became a fan of their work because it's really strange and different than what other people are doing. Uh the biggest thing of all their series is they have a large purely improv ad lib section in it. Which in this case this is a story if that sort of exists is about Four schoolgirls in a club and the club, all they do is talk about other clubs and the whole ad lib section is the voice actresses coming up with like their own version of clubs. So like come up with a different version of the baseball club and it's weird to listen to because it's not like normal dialogue in any way, which is very refined. And it's not even like an improv theater. It's just like, it's like us sitting around here talking and laughing at each other. Nobody wants that <laughs> making fun of each other. Which I've kind of liked about their shows in general, but this one, they got just the right set of people to do it or something. It just clicked in every way, and I was in tears episode after episode with the weird things that they were saying and making fun of each other and having fun with it. So I enjoyed the heck out of it, even though it's probably a guilty pleasure. But I will say this about it for sure. This is probably, almost for certain, the only time I will ever see an actual live game of Werewolf in an anime series. <laughs> and honest to goodness, it came a werewolf. Very strange. So after watching that, I was like, Oh, now it's over. Now I got to watch something normal. Well, I got lucky and watched something very good. A series called Yamada Kun and the Seven Witches. About a boy in high school who, uh, he's kind of a delinquent, trips and falls on the stairs and lands on the pretty super smart girl in his class. And they swap bodies. Whoops. Like you do. <laughs> like happens in Wait anime. Wait a
2: second. <laughs> Wasn't that a Rob Schneider movie? <laughs>
3: Yep. (laughs) After a few failed attempts of trying to fall on the stairs and get their heads back in each other's right bodies, they realize it wasn't the falling down that did it. It was the fact that they hit locked lips when they fell. So he discovers that he can swap swap bodies with anybody just by kissing them, which uh, a couple other people find out about that. They form a little club. And then the show gets more interesting after that, as you find out his power really isn't swapping bodies, but it's something a lot more interesting. What impressed me the most about the show is it starts off, okay, fun, silly, I like the characters. But it doesn't fall into any sort of rut. Every time I thought it would, something would change, it would advance to an- another stage. And brought in more characters and more interesting material. For twelve episodes, I I found it a real treat. I really loved it. one of those I say, Gosh darn it, why isn't someone released this on home video?
2: What's it called?
3: Yamada-kun and the Seven Witches.
2: Alright. Crunchyroll or Funimation?
3: Uh Crunchyroll. Okay. Uh, moving on to Gunslinger Stratos, which is based on a Japanese arcade game. It has to do with people in the future find out that their world's about to end and the, these, uh, what do they call them? Time watchers or something like that tell them that their world's gonna end and the only way to save it is to use a time machine to teleport back in time to fight alternate version, alternate universe versions of themselves and defeat this alternate universe version of themselves.
2: Is that in relation to Gunslinger Girl?
3: Not at all. Gunslinger Girl is a good show. Oh, all right <laughs> then.
4: <laughs>
3: well. Gunslinger Stratos has this really complicated setup that, with video games in general, you don't have to be as believable, because it's really about the gameplay, not about the story. But this is like trying to sell it, so I spent a whole lot of time talking about it and trying to sell it, while trying to be serious and dark, and while trying to develop a whole storyline, all in 12 episodes. And it just came off as trying to do everything... And nothing quite clicked. Especially it never really connected with any of the characters. So, oh gosh, she just died. Oh well. That's too bad I kind of liked her. But (laughs) I didn't have time to really like the character. They tried really hard and they did a lot of things right. But they just didn't have enough time to do what they needed to do to make it a good show. Also on Crunchyroll, a show called Plastic Memories I just finished watching. 13 episodes. Kind of show that I wish there were more of. An anime original, not based on a manga. That had something to say or at least something to explore takes place in the near future where there are very human-like androids created by this company that they can create, they call synthetic souls. They're practically indistinguishable from humans.
2: Hey, that was almost human.
3: <laughs> it, it, it's a classic thing to do in sci-fi. Um The thing with this one is that they have a very specific lifespan. After close to 10 years, their soul breaks down, they lose all their memories, and they kind of go berserk. So,
2: well, that seems like bad programming. <laughs> I mean, the go berserk part.
3: Yeah, yeah. You'd think they'd have like an automatic shutdown or something, right? But no, the show centered around this group that works for the company that their job is to retrieve them before this happens. And they try to be sensitive about it. Like these people have lived with a family for almost 10 years and they're really part of the family. And not everyone really wants to let them go. So they try to be sensitive and decent about it. And they're good people, but they're very uh, emotional stories. And it's not really a spoiler to say that the main guy teams up with this girl in the beginning who's uh synthetic, and she's almost at the end of her lifespan. So that's kind of the main storyline that goes on. I didn't feel like I fully connected with it, with the characters, especially when it came to like the slice of life comedy they did. Didn't really click, but it was still quite good despite that, especially on the emotional side. It, it managed to pull off quite a bit and be rather potent, despite not being fully connected with the characters. So I certainly appreciate it for what it was doing and was trying to do. I'm working through a series called Maji. First uh, series is The Labyrinth of Magic, second subtitled The Kingdom of Magic. It has its roots in The Thousand and One Nights, Arabian Tale. So you get got main characters, Aladdin, Alibaba, Morgiana, and the, the awesomeness that is Sinbad. And kind of their adventures in a fantasy sort of realm. It seems like at first it's just going to be a classic action-adventure show, which fun enough. But it's actually a little bit smarter than that. There's a lot of politics and intrigue and economics and a lot more going on. And it takes a very serious look at some hard issues like slavery and starvation. It doesn't shy away from stuff. And it's not over-reliant on action scenes to get by either. So I'm I'm a ways through it, and I'm enjoying it as it goes. I think it's pretty solid stuff. Lastly, when I was at an anime con this weekend and uh, staying overnight at over my brother's place, brother-in-law's place, we started watching... A series called No Game, No Life, which is a rewatch for me. And uh, we just kept going. Went through all 12 episodes in a night because that show is awesome. Rumors on the internet talk about a group of players calling themselves blank that win every game that they're ever in. Turns out that it's just a brother and sister pair of shut-ins who just play games all the time, who are also super geniuses. They're so good at games that a god of another world takes notice of them. This guy is a god of play. And his whole world is built around his rules, where there's no violence or stealing. All conflict is settled by games. So he pulls those two into his world for some fun. And there's a lot of stuff that happens as these two brilliant players are going through this world where everything is decided by games. And it's it's like a fantasy world. There's lots of different races with, with magic and different powers. There's strict rules to the universe. Like, if you are caught cheating, you instantly lose. But that's only if you're caught so there's lots of ways around the rules. Very fun show. I highly recommend it. Really a blast to watch.
1: What we're reading slash listening to, sponsored by Michael Mendez. Thank you very much, Michael, for supporting us over on Patreon. So you got a long list, Don? Long? For for reading?
3: Um, I have one thing. Hey. <laughs> I have been reading the Call of Cthulhu Seventh Edition rulebook.
2: Oh, is that nice. finally out?
3: No. Well, you can download the PDF. Oh, okay. So that's what so I'm reading. Getting closer. I, what? That's a horrible story. That whole thing. <laughs> but at least I have the PDF.
2: It's like three years now.
3: Yeah, it's it's pretty miserable. The whole setup. They're, they're coming around, though. What is Cthulhu. <laughs> yeah.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Your nightmare started by backing it. <laughs> I'll go, because I also have a
2: small list. Okay. I'm currently listening to The Affair by Lee Child. <laughs> it's not really what you think. It is a Jack Reacher book. Mm-hmm. So, apparently there's an affair that I haven't reached yet. Kind of a spoiler in the title. <laughs> Uh so somebody's doing something untoward with somebody's husband or wife. Uh so you don't so, know,
1: it could be just a get together.
2: Could be, could be. Yeah. The affair bracket black tie only bracket. There you go. <laughs> um uh, standard stuff, you know. If you like the first 15 Jack Creature books, <laughs> this is just more of the same. And I have because I'm on 16. Nice. Um repeat. That's right. Different women to have sex
4: with.
1: This book is –
2: I just got through the sex scene. like, And I listen – I only listen to these books. I don't read them. And usually the reader is like the sex scene. He doesn't like speed up and go through it or anything like that. But usually the sex scene is just like, you know, oh, and they pressed against each other, tasting each other. And in the morning when they woke up, they discussed and did round two kind of a thing. And and this was like 10 minutes of audio and he was (laughs) slow and deliberate. (laughs) And they spent 20 minutes exploring each other above the waist. And Jordan questioned his manhood, and, and then I questioned whether I wanted to listen to the next book just in case they did this again. Because the dude that reads it, I mean, he does the characters well, but I don't want to hear him talk
3: about <laughs> sex like this. I think there's two kinds of readers. Those who dread... Sections like that and those that love them.
2: <laughs> I think he dreads because I don't want, he, I don't want to hear him do this
1: again. So he doesn't dread. I dread him. Uh, and I, 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 through the transitive so. properties I of Jordan uh... is always right. I think he dreads those. Thou doth protest too much.
2: <laughs> no, I've had good sex scenes come on that were re- well read. Sadly, one of them was at the McDonald's drive-through.
1: <laughs> yeah, the number nine twenty-five. And then this well, throbbing what? man went, <laughs> yeah, What? What did you order to get a sex scene through the McDonald's drive-through? No. <laughs> what? It was the number hot. five. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she was a little bit older, a little bit bored. I think yeah. it's a hell of a dollar menu there. <laughs> well, I was just throwing the singles, and shit happened. <laughs>
2: Making it McRae. <laughs> I'm loving it.
3: This is the weird kind of wrong.
2: <laughs> Secret sauce. Awesome. All right. Uh, I'm also listening on the phone uh, to The Cycle of Iran by Edward Robertson. And this was a audible recommendation based on your previous purchases. We're going to give you this thing from an author you've never heard of.
3: <laughs> you fell for one of those?
2: I did. Um, You're just encouraging them. Well, in this case, Watson got it right. Oh. <laughs> Cause it's actually kind of amusing. It was one credit and it's 63 hours. It's actually three books. And when I saw that, I was like, really? Like 63 hours for a credit. How bad is this actually going to be? But I went and I looked at it and it's like got somewhere between a three and a four rating. And it's, it's typical high fantasy. The, the young hero discovers powers he did not know he has. He meets his sidekick. They meet the, uh, each sidekick or each character then meets their, uh, their Jedi master. That's going to teach them. It's all the standard hero tropes and it's the start of the hero journey. Things are going to happen. And now they've been given their quest. They have to go do this one thing or the world will end kind of a, you know, that's their quest. It's the typical high fantasy thing, but it's really, he doesn't take it at all seriously. He, he writes. It's a pretty snappy dialogue for the most part. It's enjoyable. It's an enjoyable listen. And if the rest of it turns out to be as good as the first three, four hours that I'm into it, I mean, for one credit, it's going to be a really enjoyable 60 hours. Now, in three months, if I'm not talking about this anymore, (laughs) I'll damn it, I wasted that credit. But so far, I'm enjoying it. The Cycle of Iran, Edward Robertson. Give it a shot after 10 hours. That's my, after five hours. That's <laughs> my, that's my, that's my early review. On the comic side, I was what, I'm uh, starting to catch up on the Big Trouble in Little China series. I got through the first arc and it was enjoyable. Uh, so I figured, Hey, I will give the second arc a shot and it is continuing to be enjoyable. Lopan is still kicking pork chop express is still driving and, uh, it's, uh, egg shen is still, still having fun. It's, it's just a good series. I really like it. And then I picked up, I think I'm up to date, this series from, I'm not sure if it's Image or Boom, but it's called Starve. And it's near future. The environmental collapse has taken place. It's very dark and rainy all the time. Also, it kind of takes place at night. So that might be why it's always dark. dark it's, yeah. it's always dark yeah. and rainy. Uh, we don't know if that's a chronological thing or an environmental thing, but it's always dark and rainy. Just in case you missed it, it's dark and rainy. I think this book...
1: uh, Is it ever rainy and dark?
2: No, it's always dark first.
1: Always dark first, okay. Yes. So if you blink real quick, you might not see the rainy part, but you keep your eyes open. (laughs) Yes.
2: The rain is time-locked or quantum-locked, and it it, it only (laughs) rains if you close your eyes. It's uh, near future, the environmental collapse has happened, and uh, as usual, as is the case in, in, in these situations, the 1% are now living in flagrant disregard for uh everything. And they're just going to ride the planet to its bitter end. And there's a reality TV show. It's called The Food Network. And it's called Starve. They don't call it Food Network. But that's essentially what it is. It's Future Food Network. And I think the guy that wrote this really likes Anthony Bourdain. Because the character is really kind of a takeaway of where Anthony Bourdain's head was like when he wrote his first book in kind of the early seasons of No Reservation. I like Bourdain. I like his books. It's been interesting to see how he started his first book as this, like, drug-addled chef that was really bitter and disappointed with everything. And then apparently he got to Food Network and got his shit together and became a little bit less jaded about cooking, Hmm. a little bit more open about to the idea of that. Just because you're a famous chef on TV or you're on a famous because you're a chef on TV doesn't mean you're, you know, a sellout because he's on TV now. So this dude's starts off. He's over in like Southeast Asia somewhere. It's it's just full on like the start of an app of no reservations. And then a lawyer shows up and says he's still under contract. Well, so he's got to come back and do these four eps of his show Starf that he started. And it's a reality TV cooking show, just like Iron Chef or anything like that. But it's ridiculous because, like I said, the 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 one-time sidekick is now running the show since he left. Uh he doesn't want to give up the show now, and he doesn't want to give up the money and all the power that comes from being the head of this ultra, ultra popular show. So he sets this ridiculous theme ingredient, tuna. Yeah, it's tuna. But in the Environmental apocalypse, tuna is now a hundred grand an ounce. So he goes out and uses his now food black market contracts to, and he springs like a whole baby tuna. So he walks into the show with this whole tuna and like three other chefs don't even have anything because they can't afford tuna. (laughs) So I'm up to ep three, issue three, and he's kind of reconciled with his daughter. He's fighting with his wife because his wife had him declared dead. So she could have anything because he was a dick. You know, he just left everything and went to Southeast Asia. It's I looked at this and I went really reality TV cooking show comic, but it's actually turned out to be really enjoyable. So I don't know if it's going to be a long term or a mini because it doesn't say Uh and I can't find any info about it. Not that I've looked all that much. I hope it's just a mini because I want it to wrap up and like have the bad guy be. Like the final ingredient. Really, that's what I'm hoping for. I don't think it'll go that route, but it's really enjoyable. Check it out. It's three issues in. I think I'm up to date. Uh, might be four out, but uh, there's at least three. Starve. That's all I got.
1: Chris says audible books make him miss his exits.
2: I have done that <laughs> almost on a couple occasions.
1: All right. Let's see. For me, still looking at and going over audition scripts. I did continue reading Transformers more than meets the eye from IDW. And then I kind of stopped for now because I'm so far ahead of where I'm voicing that I'm going to go back and reread it anyway when I get the next set of scripts. So, but I did get a nice glimpse into how crazy I, no, (laughs) not yet, but how crazy I get to be for a while. And then, uh, Saga, I think I'm one or two behind now. Um, I think I put one in my cart last night, but I don't remember if I pulled the trigger. I think I did. So I got another one to read. Still enjoying that. I mean, that's just a good series all the way around. It's been solid. Suicide Risk, I think, I think it's done. Episode, it was, uh, 25 issues and it really, there wasn't another one waiting. I know it had been a while since I, I read it and it kind of felt like an ending. Not necessarily a good ending. <laughs> I was it was a little just kind of abrupt drop off kind of ending. But at the same time, I might remember me saying off and on that I'm not sure how far they can kind of keep going with some of this stuff. So I guess This far it, apparently. Yeah. So I guess <laughs> I just said, yeah, it's this is it. <laughs> Overall, again, I really like that series. Like says so twenty five issues. Started off in a very different place than it ended up and I overall, even with me not necessarily liking the ending, I would still recommend it, so it's a good series, and then I don't know if I'm caught up with uh the um comic sex or not <laughs> because you can't get it directly through Comixology app. You have to actually go on the website, so I had a couple that I saw I hadn't read, so I read through those the other night, still enjoying that, still hating the color coding of <laughs> random words drives me nuts i was reading it the other night and i was like all right let's try one more time <laughs> all the blue words nope they don't make a sentence
4: damn it
3: they've got you man
1: <laughs> I know, it's, it's there to, to irritate the low frequency epileptics <laughs> <It's>
4: just- <laughs>
1: uh so yeah I'm, I'm enjoying that it's um it's kind of a split story almost at this point kind of like i was talking about before where this guy's robin is off doing his thing now that he's no longer around and uh he's trying to get in with a, a gang and he does get in with a gang to kind of infiltrate from the inside kind of thing. And the, you know, former Batman of this, uh this place is still in retirement, still trying to live the normal life, but everybody in the world, cause he kind of vanished and came back. So there's multiple groups looking into him and who he is really. And, if he can be a part of this secret society or this thing that's going on and he's just trying to not be a part of any of it <laughs> and seeing if he can finally live a normal life kind of thing. I, I still enjoy that series, even though, again, it's you, you got to put up with a lot. <laughs> and <laughs> And if you're prudish, you probably don't ever want to pick it up. <laughs> Uh, cause it'll just, again, it'll be like, and there's a penis, and there's an orgy scene in the background while they're talking in the forefront, and, you know, all kinds of stuff going on. And there's Littlefinger. <laughs> and that's pretty much what I've been reading. <laughs> what we're playing! Sponsored by Timothy D. Thank you, Timothy, for sponsoring us over on Patreon. So we can tell you about all these things we're playing, although I'm not playing very much. <laughs> I have a small list as well. I have like two things. Ha! <laughs> I have two things as well. Nice. So once again, Don, bringing it home. I go- guess Cthulhu Wars. How did you know? <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go real quick. I finished Batman Arkham Asylum. Uh, I have not gone back and done the the DLC, but well, I finished that's it like maybe. five years ago. No, finished Malcolm it like Knight. this weekend. Huh? Do you mean Arkham Knight? Oh, Arkham, or Arkham Knight, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I finished Arkham Knight. I was wondering too. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I actually did finish Asylum, to be honest with you, now that I think about it. No, I finished Arkham Knight. (laughs) I finally got all of the damn Riddler crap, (laughs) which was all I was missing. And most of them were the race to place to get crap, and uh, I finished all that, so. Uh, main story's done, and uh there's some DLC i go back for eventually, but not right now. And then I finished the um, main storyline of Far Cry 4, but I didn't 100% it. There's still some crap to go around and do, but I finished that over the weekend as well. And that's all I've been able to play recently.
2: I got in a couple fun games of uh Star Trek Attack Wing over the weekend, and I've been playing a lot of Neverwinter on the Xbox One. And not playing, but hobby related. I'm working on uh, my painting, uh, Terror Geist a terrorgeist and a zombie dragon for what used to be the vampire Codes and what used to be Warhammer Fantasy Battles 8th <laughs> edition.
1: Chris says he's doing Final Fantasy 12 and it's his first, oh, it's his first Final Fantasy ever and he's having a blast. Got a lot to have, catch up on. Yeah. Yeah. You got a lot more to do. I haven't played Final Fantasy in forever. Yeah. <laughs> Any of them. Since I lived in Toronto.
3: <laughs> well, I had my gaming binge weekend last month, which started noon on a Thursday, and the last people left 8 p.m. on Sunday with only a few hours of sleep every night. That was pretty intensive. <laughs> I could possibly list all the games that got played.
2: No, we need a thorough accounting.
3: And uh, No. <laughs> uh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that, there were so many people there, and a lot of people brought their kids this year. So there was a lot of stuff going on. Uh, The big hitters, HeroScape, popular with kids and adults, got played many times. Uh, a couple friends brought a bunch of X-Wing stuff, so we left that set up most weekend. A lot of a pickup games with pre-made squads, and uh, a few epic games that went on as well. And Cthulhu Wars, time and time again. I think that was the first time I've heard people ask, wait, are you taking that down? It's <laughs> <laughs> just kind of assumed it was going to be there and keep playing it. Can't wait for the expansions in a couple months. Uh, otherwise, I have a D&D group that's running uh, most Monday nights. I'm playing a half-orc barbarian. I know I'm not very creative, but sometimes simple is fun, especially if he's stupid, and I'm having a great time playing stupid. I'm playing a video game called Nier, N-I-E-R. It's a RPG I picked up on a whim, really cheap, used. That, uh, in the future, post-apocalyptic, humanities kind of living in what little towns are left trying to hide from the shades that are running around and play as a ugly middle-aged guy who just wants to save his daughter from the plague and just doing little missions with them, running around doing stuff. It's entertaining me. He finds a, a magic dark grimoire, which he t- partners up with. It talks. It's pretty friendly for a gr- grimoire. And the banter between the two is probably the best thing about the game. It's fun to listen to. So I'm enjoying it. Still got a 15% of the missions left to do or something. My Sunday night gaming group has been playing a whole lot of Heroes of the Storm lately, which is Blizzard's MOBA, massively online battle arena. It's like League of Legends, except for Blizzard. I hate Blizzard. I hate that company. So I'm pretty loath to pick up a Blizzard game. I, it hurt me just to install BattleNet, but they wanted to play it. So I did. And I'll be honest, I'm, I'm really enjoying the game. It's. Like League of Legends, except... himself. (laughs) Is that a little piece of your soul that just shriveled up and fell out? Blizzard does good games. Their work is solid. They just... I think they haven't had any innovation for many years. And it saddens me that they make tons and tons of money off of non-innovative games just because it's got the Blizzard name on it. And they're solid. They're well done. But And this game is no different. It's League of Legends, except with Blizzard heroes from all four of their franchises, including Lost Vikings did you see
2: the the hearthstone video that some somebody just put out it was uh, a setup it had to have been a setup video uh, I guess there a new expansion just came out or something and one of the I forget oh, there's two car- there were two cards yeah. a nightmare or there's a horse and something a, a juggler or something or other. and the horse uh, when it dies it responds and the juggler says when a minion comes into play or something like that do one random damage. So these dudes had set up their decks such that they were gonna get the, their minion, their 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 horse, their horse out, and their juggler, knife juggler, or something like. That. Anyways, anyways, whatever, it doesn't matter. They're gonna get these two cards out, and the 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 video is like 18 minutes long. And the first two minutes are basic setup, and then they each had enough of these cards out that the next turn took 16 minutes. And it was all automated. The, the juggler would kill a horse. The horse would come back. The juggler would kill somebody else. And, and, and because it's random, the juggler, it does random damage. So it wasn't always hitting the opponent, but each, everybody's horses were dying and coming back. And the juggler was always killing somebody, uh, a horse, cause all they had was horses. Oh, and it was this, just the 16 minute chain of eventually one of them died. From the juggler's random damage, just picking him enough. It was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen.
3: My favorite game to play right there. <laughs> uh, Heroes of the Storm, it's like League of, League of Legends, but simpler. Doesn't have the whole item building learning curve. Which is nicer to players like me that don't play heavily. So it, it's been fun. I like it. As much as I hate to say it. <laughs> That's it. Alright, let's see.
1: Chris says, uh, Legend of the Five Rings. You played that, didn't you? I did. Yep. I never got to. I wanted to. Sealand board game. I don't know that one. You know that one? Sealand? And waiting for the Game of Thrones second edition of the card game. As much as I love that game, I don't think I'm picking that up. I think I'm going to have to let that one go. Especially when we were at the, uh, at my storage this past weekend and my, C upon C of Game of Thrones CCG cards. I'm just like, I might just trash all these. Wow. (laughs) So yeah, I don't, I don't know. As somebody that was like heavily into that game and actually that's kind of how Rochester gamers community even got started. I was teaching people how to play that game. I don't think I'm going to get into a new edition. We don't get to play the stuff we want to play. We don't get to play like Netrunner or anything like that, are they ever? So I just can't see picking up a bunch of new cards. Found a copy of Shogun. The
2: original. Oh, the original Milton Bradley Master Series.
1: Excellent
3: game. Whoa. So he's trying to get that to the table. <laughs> the one with like peasants and Ronin and Samurai,
2: all that. Yeah, you got the Ashigar Spearman and you got the Rifleman. <laughs> you got the yeah. Ninja was awesome. You bid for your turn order. Yeah, yeah. The little foam trays you put everything in. The Samurai Swords, the Katana.
3: <laughs> we had just the craziest game of that once where like, Somebody lost an eye. Well, someone was attacking my castle with a huge (laughs) army. It was just a castle. So everyone's just packing the game up. It's are like, well, we'll we'll just watch this happen and be done with it. And my four peasants in the castle wiped out the whole freaking army. (laughs) And everyone's staring at the board looking at that. It was just packed up. And like (laughs) we have no idea what to do now. (laughs) The game just got invalidated by an impossible set of (laughs) rules.
1: Nice. All right. Well, I think that brings us to the end of another episode. On. thanks for coming on again
3: thanks for having me
1: all right so with that i think we are done here i'm jeff king and i'm the canadian thanks for listening thank you for checking out united geeks network family member if you enjoyed it and are looking for other online media with a geek culture slant head over to unitedgeeksnetwork.com where you will find the game crafter official podcast a weekly podcast dedicated to the tabletop game print-on-demand company, The Game Crafter, and its growing community. The United Geeks Network. You can broadcast your geekiness at unitedgeeksnetwork.com.
0: that's where we unleash the bomb Jeff and Jordan from coast to coast best of the best the number one host so put up your cups and toast cause here the end we approach but come back for more raps more fun more laughs more this more that up and down the mat cause we geeked up and thanks for showing love we give up viewers thanks with knowledge in the bank cause y'all are top rank and never should be spanked so thanks for tuning in and giving us a spin cause here we win we always been. Well, it's been fun. It's been real. Till next time. Stay chill. Stay trill. Do what you like and like how you feel. Cause y'all are the real deal. Holy feel. Oh, yeah.
1: What we're watching. No. Hold on. I have a couple seconds over here.
2: I'm crying a little bit. You drove 45 minutes to be quiet, sir.
3: This, (laughs) my goodness. Already passed up once, twice, jeez. This is, uh,
1: this is what I was talking about before about, uh, what we're not paying attention to Don about. (laughs) Brought to you by Don Z. (laughs) (laughs) Sadly, I think Don is the only one that doesn't have a shout out currently recorded.
3: (laughs) Oh, yay. So we'll Good just timing. go with, uh, let's see. We're I, I, doing, uh. I can support one of my segments. It's nope. Fine. Nope. Not happening.
1: You know what? We'll have, uh. Well, then we'll need that $2 now. <laughs> no, <laughs> not,
2: not at the end of the month.
3: It's five. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so we'll I'm say, in, a,
2: uh, I'm in huge. Hardcore firefight flat, fat. flat. <laughs>